This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all those promises that you make to parents and customers the rest of the year. And before we get started, we just thought we would introduce ourselves. So Ruby, why don't we get you to go first? Sure. My name is Ruby Compton, and I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve. We're a summer camp that's focused on connecting children with nature. It's located on a 3,400-acre private wildlife preserve uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains in western North Carolina in the United States. Great. Thanks. And Gabrielle? Ruby, that sounds so beautiful. Um, <laughs> my name's uh, Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Uh, camp Waro is an all-girls camp, and we focus on positive girl community and a linguistic uh, program in the Laurentian Mountains. Thanks, Gab. And I'm Beth Allison. I am a camp consultant in Woodstock, Ontario, Canada. I was a camp director and executive director for 15 years in Muskoka and now work uh, with my husband, Travis, and we help to run Go Camp Pro with three great partners and do a lot of staff training. And today our topic is going to be maximizing training time to get to know your staff. And Ruby, why don't you tell us why we decided to talk about this? Sure. So at the end of staff training, you're probably making some pretty critical decisions that are going to determine how your summer kicks off, how your summer plays out, uh, maybe making uh, housing assignments, who, what counselors are going to work together, what age groups they're going to be with, um, who's going to be supervising who. Uh, so there's lots of decisions to be made, and a lot of them it's really helpful if you know your staff. And there's a lot going on in staff training, and it's, it's we pack a, a, so much information in a very short amount of time. But one of the most critical things that I think that you need to do during that time is really get to know your staff so that you can plug them in uh, to where they're going to be able to play to their strengths during their time at camp. Absolutely. As Ruby said, there's just so much to do during staff training, and yet getting to know the people who will be fulfilling those promises that we just talked about in our intro is so important. So we need to make sure that we build in time ahead of time and ways to do that ahead of time before training takes over and we lose those moments. So why don't we start our podcast today by sharing some of your priorities for getting to know your staff members and their strengths or the things that they need to work on. So Ruby, how do you get to know your staff a little bit better during training? Sure. So um, one of the things that I really try to do, and this is something that I learned from a mentor of mine, it was a director that I don't even know that I really perceived that he was doing it until I'd worked for him for about two and a half years. But he would seek out those opportunities where staff had duties or time where they were kind of on their own. And he would just kind of sit down next to you and not really say anything. And then you'd feel kind of awkward. And so you'd start talking. And it was really cool because I found that it was unexpected. I didn't expect that the the director was going to just, you know, 
make the time and the prior, make it a priority to sit down next to me and furthermore, not be the one dominating the conversation. Uh, so I think it was a, a brilliant move and it's something that I try to do with my staff, uh, especially during staff training and then throughout the whole summer. Uh, but whenever you're feeling like that, that moment where you go, I don't feel like I really know that staff member. I haven't gotten a good read on them yet. Uh, trying to find a time when, uh, maybe they're walking from an activity to their cabin or, um, they happen to have sat down at the dinner table first and nobody else is sitting with them yet. Uh, but just to take that opportunity to sit down with them and, and challenge them to be the one who starts talking first, just sit and listen. Uh, and generally our staff are going to feel that social grace and go, Oh, I should say something. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting to see where they're going to steer that conversation with you as the director. It's going to give you a lot of information about, um, you know, what kind of person are they? Are they positive? Or are they instantly telling you their biggest complaint? Um, are they nervous about around you? Or are they really comfortable? Um, how are mm-hmm. things going? It's going to help open the door to that conversation. Uh, and, and like I said, it, it was, it's one of the most brilliant moves that I ever saw that director make. And I just remember thinking that's something I definitely want to make time for when I'm a director. Nice. I love that. And I love the fact that it took you a couple years to figure that out. Um, yeah. as a staff member. I think that's great. Uh, Gab, have you got something for us? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, it's something that we do at camp often and uh, lifeguards do very often as well, but I really believe in scenarios. And for, for the most part, I think it's because there's some surprises out of scenarios every year that I, I didn't expect even a returning staff member who seemed to be not very comfortable in front of people. All of a sudden they found their funny streak and you know they're they're great on stage or somebody that takes charge or problems problem solving um ideas so and i feel that it's it's also a great way to you know get people moving but well structured and non-intimidating scenarios so not starting with you know three people in front of the the entire staff on the first day but (laughs) even doing scenarios just amongst themselves and you walking around is a really nice way to to see where your staff are at engage um, maybe where you want to aim your training if if you need to adjust it a little bit. Nice. Thanks. Um, for me, at meals, we always change tables um, and mixed up categories on purpose of where people sat. So one meal a day, our staff always sat in their cabin groups because we put them in cabin groups and had resource staff counselors go in and be, pretend to be counselors for the week or whatever. Uh, but the other two, we randomly or purposefully mix them up. So, uh, you know, we'd line everybody up from the first letter of your last name or the third number of your telephone number or whatever it was, and then count um, by the number of tables as you went along. So, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then all the ones sit together and all the twos. And, um, the important thing for me was always to make sure that I was included in this. And it's difficult as a director, cause you're often off, you know, prepping something or setting up the computer or doing whatever, but to get included in that. Um, so I wasn't working in my office or sitting with specific staff that maybe I had a session with that afternoon, but making sure I had all of that done ahead of time so that I could sit with different staff at every meal. And I often found that that kind of relaxed atmosphere got to give me an opportunity to get to know them a little bit better because they felt, I mean, still were a bit unnerved. I think that the director was sitting at their table, but, um, eventually, cause we're just eating and chatting, um, was a nice way to do it. We also, um, and I've said this before, Beth, but can I, sorry, can I ask certainly. you a quick question? Yes. Did you sit for an entire meal at the table? Oh, absolutely. 
That's amazing. <laughs> for, for us, when Travis and I first started directing, one of the things we said was that we'd been to so many camps that had like 15-minute meals and you're out the door. And we decided that family time at meals was really big and important to us. So um, we made that a priority. So we always took one hour to have every meal at camp, which would include announcements and, you know, staff getting dressed up and coming in and doing funny things and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but that it was never rushed. Songs were never sung in the middle of the meal. You could only sing when your table was cleared, all that kind of stuff. But you spent time at the table talking to your people. That was always a big priority for us. So yes, it was hard, but I would sit at every, for the entire meal. So it was different when the summer was going and I was directing, but during training, I made that time to sit with them. Um, that's oh, yeah. so three times a day you sat for an entire meal. Yep. During wow, training, I sure did. Yeah. During training. During training. Sure. Yeah. Get to know them. Yep. Something yeah. to strive for. Well, and you have to be sort of, do that, including myself, <laughs> really yeah. prepared ahead of time. Like you have to be ready to go by the, yeah. by the beginning of staff training, which I think is a key point, um, in getting to know your staff. Um, a couple of other things I would do would be invite small groups to my cabin at night, um, for hot chocolate and just chill. And I always made it seem like it was a secret thing. I'd send them a secret note or whatever, meet me at, you know, whatever. Um, and I would um, have everybody there at some point during the week. But I was always very intentional in the groupings that I invited. So there was a good mix of people. And um, we'd sit and talk about, you know, whatever it happened to be. But it was just a very relaxed sort of small group atmosphere. So if... I mean, I had 70 staff members. So if you have like 200 <laughs> or 400 staff members, then I would suggest that you make sure each unit head maybe has these little gatherings during training so you can get everybody covered. Um, I've said this before, but I love my fireside chat questions at night at the end of every day, asking things like, who do you have to thank today? Or who took a risk today? Or what surprised you today? Because these answers not only let you go, let you know the sharer better, but also the person they were talking about. Um, so you, it was often things that you missed during the day because you weren't there. Um, and you can kind of see some really cool things that have happened. And the other fun thing I used to do is put up, I didn't do it every year, but put up large newsprint sheets around the dining hall for the beginning of camp with lots of questions on top, one question per sheet, and let them answer with their name beside it. Um, and you need enough sheets if you're going to do it all as one activity so that everybody has a place to write um, at any given time, put some fun camp music on and, and let them go for it. But, um, you know, if questions could be like, if I could speak any other language, it would be, or I love my room at home because, or if I could have dinner with any historical character, it would be, um, it was also a great way for me to find out who had hidden talents that maybe I could use later on in the summer <laughs> that didn't actually cool. show up in an interview or on an application, but they had to put their name beside it too. So, um, those are just a few of the ways I tried to get to know them as more as individuals. Ruby, have you got something else for us? Sure. I mean, what you were saying about the meals, I think one of the ways that I have approached that, I can't say I'm as, I've quite achieved the three meals a day sitting the whole time. <laughs> um, but one way to set up that framework is to really utilize those leadership staff, the resource team, you know, whoever it is, mm -hmm. but those leaders that you have, you know, tell them today at lunch or every day at lunch during training, um, it's going to be your job to set up the session that's coming up afterwards. And so that's going to free you up 
to be the director who can go sit at lunch with the staff mm-hmm. every day. So mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, a, a one real quick strategy, but it's, it's a bigger piece of um, as, as much as we know as directors that we can probably lead all of staff training the most brilliantly, we have to let go. <laughs> we have right. to absolutely <laughs> let go of it so we can create this time to um, really pri- and make it a priority to get to know your staff. Uh, so it's, I was having a conversation about this with the, just the other night from a director who, I mean, like all three of us are so passionate about training and it's very, very hard for me to let go of training Mm -hmm. pieces because Mm -hmm. I know that I'm probably going to do it in a really cool, fun, creative way. And, but surprisingly, like I'm going to have some staff that are going to do it in a more fun and more creative Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have some staff who are going to tank and that's okay. (laughs) That's a learning opportunity as well. Um, I had a staff member or I had a, a, um, cohort that said that she, this year at staff training wants to make sure by the end of staff training, all of her staff have taught something. And I was like, that's, that's brilliant. That is a great goal to have for your staff. Um, so I think when, when setting your sights on making it a priority to get to know your staff, really do lean on the folks that are around you that you trust to help you achieve that goal by letting go. And, um, I, I had a phone call with Travis at one point when we were talking about stuff and I was saying, yeah, I've got to make all these copies and put these binders together. And he was like, you're the camp director. You don't have to make the copies. (laughs) I give that to somebody else. And so every time I'm sitting there making copies, I have that moment where I go, (laughs) somebody else could be doing this. I can, my time is, is better used otherwise. Yes. I know I can make copies and I'm, I'm humble enough that I will do the job that I'm asking others to do. Um, but I think especially during staff training, utilize those other leaders because they want that leadership responsibility and it's going to free you up to have these meaningful moments that you need to with your staff. Excellent. Great. Gab, you got one more for us before we move on? To yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, um, I think, I think we, you guys basically covered the, the on-camp part. And, and for me, like, I love going for walks with staff members. I love having tea, coffee time. Like these are, these are like special moments and you're building a trust and you're building a bond and not to be afraid of the awkward silence with your staff. Cause, and I announce it. I'm like, yeah, it's awkward silence. The boss is here. <laughs> and I say, I'm okay with awkward silence. You guys, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then they get over it, you know, so it, it's, it's okay. Um, throughout the year, you know, it's, it's simple stuff that a lot of us do, but it's, it's starting a Facebook group, um, getting questions going amongst the staff, getting staff to start those questions um, getting staff members to notice maybe who's not talking, especially if they're new staff members, and ask them questions. And perhaps even having a couple of projects that staff members can work on before they come to camp. Um, and and that you put somebody in charge, it's not you, and it's perhaps not even a, a leadership team member, but somebody that oversees it and talks with you about it. And this sort of just, it allows staff members to show their skills and talents um, outside of camp and also gets them their mind woken up before they get to camp. Um, and, uh, you know, social media for, for me, you know, it has, it's a double-edged sword, you know, it's kind of, it's great in one way and sometimes, and it's so frustrating in another way, but this is a way I think it's actually quite good, you know, just a special, you know, group that you guys can chat and even share fun pics and stuff like that, just to get to know who your staff are. And then who knows, you might, we found our, one of our best like Instagram posters 
uh, for us through through this group. And she was a first year staff member. And I was like, this girl has skills mm-hmm. and she's she does it for us throughout the year. And every time she posts something, I'm like, this is amazing. How does she do this? But I would have never found that out if we didn't have like these these sort of pre camp arrival conversations. Nice. Um, True Colors for me was always a game changer. So it not only allowed staff to get to know themselves, but it also allowed the rest of us to learn about their personalities. So the best way that they learn or the way that they deal with conflict or how they need to find their own self-esteem. So it's a personality type indicator that is super user-friendly, which is why I like it over Myers-Briggs or some of the others. And it has so many uses throughout the summer. I used to use it all the time for counseling pairs. I used to use it for how to evaluate people, how to handle disciplining staff, all those kinds of things. Travis and I, years and years ago, became um, True Color facilitators. And truthfully, he became one because I had already become one. So he couldn't let me have that by myself. So he became one too. Um, And so now um, we... I I personally don't need to have that activity done for me to know what people's true colors are, um, but it's really great for staff to be able to see who else are the greens in the room or who else are the oranges and understand how they need to work with the different colors. So that was always really helpful. Um, just to get back to the point Ruby made about her men- one of her mentors touching base with people, I did that as well. And I touched base during training with everyone at least once a day. Um, or every two days, maybe if your staff number doesn't allow you to do it every day. Um, but I always kept a list in my office or on the back of my clipboard so that I knew that I had checked in with people. Um, because for me, I would just, you know, forget how many people I had or who I had missed. Um, so having that list was really important. And I would always, um, I, I didn't do the wait for them to talk thing, but I think I would do that differently now. Um, but I always used to sit down and just have a, a sort of a question in my back pocket, like, so what one piece of training is going to stick with you most today? Um, and that kind of thing really told me a lot, you know, or what was harder than you thought it was going to be today? Um, and I also found that that kind of thing gave me a big, bigger insight into that staff person. I also think that I'm a pretty easy person to get to know, but my staff always told me that I was very intimidating. So um, in order to get to really know them, I had to break down that barrier. That was my job Um, because they're not going to be themselves in front of you if they're not feeling like they can be themselves. So for training, we're, we're back to having everything prepped and ready to go before training ever started so that I could participate in games. I could go to campfire. I could sing songs in camp. Like I could lead songs in campfire. I could be involved in hopping and scraping at meals. I could do duties with them. I did dish with them. Um, so that just sort of helped to break down that barrier for them to just see that I wasn't this person in the office or, um, you know, that kind of, um, person that wasn't approachable, but that was on me to be able to do that. It was not on them to try to get to know me. And I thought that that was really important. Um, one of the things we've talked about too, just it's, it seems simple, but it's not is learning all of their names because some of us had really large staffs. So, um, we thought we'd maybe address a few ideas of how we could learn their names. So Ruby, you want to start us off there? 
Sure. Uh, so I'll give you a couple of my favorite ways to, to learn names. Uh, number one, if you haven't heard the principle of repetition, <laughs> it is so critical. It's something like, it, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like say the name seven times within about 10 seconds. And that's what's going to help you retain that information, like really focus on it. Cause I know for me, and we've all done it where you ask somebody a question, but you don't, you ask them out of habit, not so much actually caring about the answer. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely do that when I introduce myself sometimes I'm like, Oh, Hey, I'm Ruby. And then I don't listen to their name at, like <laughs> straight up. Haven't heard of a word that they've said. Then I get, you know, a minute later and I go, Oh, I have no idea what their name was, but I was not paying attention. So when you're asking for names, making sure you're really focusing on what they say, looking them in the eye, looking at their face and repeating their name. Oh, Beth, it's really nice to meet you. Beth, what did you think about your drive down here? You know, and, and it almost seems silly, but just saying it over and over again goes a long way for it sticking. Um, so there's two activities that I've done that, that I really love and no, three that I, I love that I, that I want to just share real quick. Um, the one that I always use with, um, with campers that I think works very well with staff as well um, is the name game where the camper says their name and then they have to do a motion. Mm. And it can be a dance move or, you know, like they swing a baseball bat or whatever it might be, but everybody does the motion that they've done. And so for me, just having that kinesthetic thing really helped me in saying their names. And then again, we incorporated repetition where like one person would say their name and they'd show their move and then we'd all do it. And then the next person would do it and we'd add it on and made one big dance the whole way around. We were saying their names over and over and over again. Um, so that was, that one is really, really helpful, uh, for me personally. And you kind of have to find what one works for you, but that was one that I always utilized. Um, with staff, um, I, we did an activity with, uh, I believe it was Kim Acock who came in and ran this session where she sent us off to our cabins. We had like 15 minutes and she said, come back and market yourself. So I want you to come back and do a, a 10 to 30 second spiel where there's no way we're going to forget your name. And so bring an item that's going to help with that. And so like, my name's Ruby and I can solve a Rubik's cube. So that's what I brought, you know, um, one of my favorite ones that happened was, a, a girl who wrote G I N on a piece of cardboard and held it up. And she said, hi, my name is Jen. This is the only alcoholic reference that's appropriate this summer. <laughs> and, it, I, and I never was going to forget her name after that. Cause I, I will always remember her holding that sign that said Jen on it. Um, <laughs> There was a kid, Evan, who was stacking rocks. Like he was like, I'm Evan and I like to stack rocks and doing it really beautifully. So, uh, that concept of, of putting it in their hands, like make it so mm-hmm. you are unforgettable, um, was, was really cool. And then the last one that I use, uh, that I think is, is really impactful. And I use this with kids and with staff, um, is to have each person share about a scar that they have because everybody's got one. And everybody has injury stories and it's up to them. Like you don't have to share your most painful scar that's there. Um, and, but everybody has a story to share and especially kids, like kids really love this one because they all want to tell their super gruesome story. (laughs) Um, but that's another one that just, I think hearing people's troubles and hearing a time that they were challenged or were hurt and had to work through it. It makes people very vulnerable right away, which could make some people uncomfortable, but again, like they have the choice of what they share. Uh, but for whatever reason too, when somebody's sharing that story, they say their name and I'm just thinking like, Oh man, Gab fell down the stairs and then Gab went to the hospital and then Gab got stitches. And so I'm using their name with the repetition to, to help remember it. Um, so those are three that I use and love and, 
uh, have worked pretty well for me. Nice. Gab, have you got anything to add to that? <laughs> I like writing down all the name remembering. Uh, <laughs> Good tips for you. And, yeah. So one of my, this is, this is like what I struggle with the most. I, I can't remember names. We have, we have a family gathering every Labor Day weekend. We have between 50 to 80 people that come to camp. And I can't remember my cousin's children's names. And I've known them since they were babies. And it, I, I will remember them once I, I, I know everything about them. Right. I just, their names. And that, that has to do with like dyslexia and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very open. So I, first of all, before my staff come, I do have cue cards with their pictures and their names beside it. Nice. I mean, I take responsibility for that. So I know that I have to go much, much like a much bigger extra mile to get people's names in my head. So that's one thing that I do. And then the other thing that I do is I tell staff members that I may or may not say their name correctly. Um, um, but please correct me because it's very important to me that I do know how to say your name mm -hmm. properly. So mm -hmm. I'm literally like Karen Kitcherick Kellogg. What's your name? <laughs> how are we? And she's like Cynthia. And uh, so <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, Cynthia, I got that. And uh, so, so I, so they know that it's not, it's not me being disrespectful, and more importantly, it's not me that that doesn't care. Right. The other thing that um, that <sighs> I teach our staff members is that that since we're in all girls camp, I, I don't want to hear the word she told me this or she did this. I want people to use each other's names. And, nice. and, uh, this is really important for campers, obviously to hear their names, but for us to learn each other's names. And so when, and that I, that's from the very first day. And, um, um, even the first day we, I, I will interrupt if somebody says she, and I'm like, she, whom? And she's like, oh, the person with the green coat, and then that person can say their name. So we say, it's okay, you can be, you can be off the hook for the entire staff training. Uh, you can say, sorry, I, I, I can't quite remember your name. And there's a lot of names to remember, so it's okay. So it's just sort of like also putting those things in place and... Yeah. That's it. Great suggestions. Yeah. Um, but I love the scar thing. I think that's really, <laughs> it's really campers fun. too. That's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, I always learned their names by first learning their names before they even arrived. So I would memorize the list of staff names, uh, before they even got there so that all I had to do was put a face to the name. So like I knew I had, you know, an Emily and I knew I had two Jennifers and I knew I had a Steve and a Mark and I just had to put the face to that name. And we used to get our camp counselors to do the same thing. So we changed sessions every week. So every week they'd have a list of eight names that they had to learn. So at a staff meeting on a Sunday afternoon before that group came in, Travis would often say, who's got their list memorized? And they would put up their hand and they could list off those eight people so that when they met them, they already knew um, what those names were. So for me, that worked. Um, and that was really helpful. Uh, and often because I had a lot of uh, high return rates and staff. I didn't have to memorize too many new people's names uh, every year because people returned quite a bit. Um, and we would also do lots of name games and change them up every year um, at the beginning of training for everybody's benefit, not just my own. Um, and we would wear name tags. And I have some different thoughts about name tags. So I believe that they're really great for new people because they usually obviously have the most names to learn. And that can be really overwhelming for them. But I... I started to worry that they could become a crutch for not learning names. So I don't usually like to use them past the first day or so. Um, 
because we've already done a whole lot to try to get to know each other. And then obviously offering them the same thing as Gab. It's okay if you have to ask what somebody's name is, but, um, as an aside, I also like to have total aside, but I like to have people's name tags ready for them when they come to camp, uh, rather than having them make their own because it says, Hey, we were expecting you and, and we're ready for you. Um, and for the first day, at least of training, but often I'll do it for a couple of days. And as we play and change up groups, whatever sessions that we're doing, I have the staff shake hands and introduce themselves every single time. Uh, even if they know each other really well, even if they're siblings, um, it doesn't matter because it's um, great to get to know people, but it's also really good practice for meeting parents um, and campers when they do show up. And we always had a staff photo board. Uh, outside of the lodge and staff photos were there and people's names, which was really great for parents and campers on opening day because they would be told the counselor's names and then they could go look at the photo board. But it was also really helpful for me. (laughs) So, um, you know, I could sometimes stand there for a few minutes and just try to remember the faces whose names I couldn't remember. Um, I thought that was always um, really helpful for me. And even now when I go to another camp to train and I don't know any of these people, I always ask for the list of the staff names ahead of time so that I can sort of try to memorize them. And then when I get there, I get a, the director or a leadership team member to stand near me just before things get underway and quietly help me learn who's who. Um, so that when I go to lead a session, I can say, oh, Ruby, you had something to share. What would you like to say? Um, because I think it's really important when somebody knows your name. Uh, I think it really makes you feel like you belong. Um, so those would be my few tips and tricks to learn I was, names. I was checking into a camp conference. Uh, it was our regional conference a couple of years ago. And I said, you know, I walked up and I said, you know, last name Compton. And she was like, oh, we're a first name organization. <laughs> and I, I really loved that. I yeah. thought that was such a cool just a little tidbit that she said and made me go, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Ruby, you know? (laughs) Nice. Um, and so just something fun. Nice. Um, after we stopped recording our last podcast, the three of us had this really great discussion and and we had to stop it because it was so good. It was like, we need to save this, um, for an actual podcast about the importance of watching and observing staff during training to get to know them better. Um, so we wanted to save some of that conversation for today. So we discussed the importance of spending time, perhaps when someone else is leading a session or during programming or campfire and just sitting back and observing. So Ruby, when you do that at camp, what is it that you're looking for? Why do you do that? There are so many things. Um, <laughs> there are so, so many things. I... People a lot of times ask me, we aim to, my personal goal is to, to pair counselors for the whole summer. Um, because my personal philosophy, I know this doesn't work at every camp or for every director, but my personal philosophy is I want the cabin to be a, a comfortable place and a place where you feel at home. And I think that is hard, harder to establish when you're changing who you're working with every week or two weeks. And so we really try to pair for, um, for this is for the whole summer. Like you are marrying this person and you're living (laughs) with them and that's how it's working. Um, so as kind of strange as it sounds, just having worked at camp for, you know, 10 years now, um, you definitely see personalities and I see staff that I have now and I go, Oh, this person is a, and it's a staff member that I worked with when I was my first summer in camp, you know? And so if you think about it, you've probably seen lots of different personalities interact with each other. Um, and you, and there's big classifications like 
um, introvert and extrovert and, you know, the true color system or the disc profiling, you can use those. But I think even thinking about this person really reminds me of this other person that I have worked with. And here are some of the people that they clashed with and here are some of the people they worked really well with. And honestly, a lot of times I use that um, as a guide for who I'm going to pair them with, who I think they're going to work well with, who I think this could, there could be some issues um, because everybody's unique. Absolutely. And that's not going to work hundred percent of the time, but there's a finite amount of personalities and personality clashes and, and relationships that are out there. And so I think a lot of times you can kind of classify and use prior relationships that you've seen play out Use those to your advantage as you see, oh, this person really reminds me of this, this staff member I had before. I bet they're going to have a lot of the same struggles or uh, really gel with somebody who's like this because I saw them really gel with a counselor that was like this. Um, so I'm always kind of looking for patterns and trends and, and who they remind me of. Um, obviously, to group dynamics. I mean, like Beth said, having them in lots of different groups, I, I do that as well. And... You know, who does step up as the leader, who sits back, uh, who's uncomfortable in the spotlight, um, who's a really good listener, Mm -hmm. uh, who's a very good team player, who keeps doing the job that nobody else wants to do. Um, Those are some things that I'm I'm keeping an eye out for. Great. Yeah, those are really good. Gab? I was just going to echo the who's the staff member that doesn't want to do the job that other people want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a powerful one. And, and being able to, uh, you know, go and reward that person and, and just let them know that you noticed is mm-hmm. that will come back in full payment um, down the road. So, yeah, noticing those behaviors are really important. Um, in my studies, uh, I, I studied, studied um uh, group development and leadership, and one of the things that we that we learned was to evaluate the interactions of of participants in a group. And usually, you're looking at a group more, no more than ten. And obviously, a lot of our camps have more than ten <laughs> staff members. But you can look at them in in smaller groups, or you can choose um, a group of people to watch within a group. And there was a couple of key things that that came up when you're when you're looking at the interaction of people within the group and it's it's really how they contribute to the group and how they block the group and that's that's the two two big factors are they over participators um are they under participators um do they help problem solve do they do they put down ideas so looking at whether they are are you know helping the gra- the group move forward or holding the group back. And you can just, just looking at those, those little behaviors, how they're sitting, um, their body language, uh, who they're speaking to. Are they only speaking to one person, uh, you know, in this group? So, so just looking at those behaviors and it's, it's, it's one way to know who your staff members are. And then it's another way to address those behavior issues before campers arrive and, and yes, we're very focused, I think, a lot of the times on the staff training aspect. But if we don't deal with some of the behavior issues that are arising, mm-hmm. um, the staff training is, is really secondary when it, comes, when it comes down to it. And those individuals really impact either negatively or positively, um, positively your, your group. So the, what I do is I, I usually sit at the back of the room. Sometimes I bring my computer as a decoy and <laughs> look like I'm working. And I, I'm, I'm really paying attention to what's going on. And then I'm making notes and, and I'm talking to individuals. 
in a supportive way, usually very supportive. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the things that I'm looking for are, are really basic. So during training, cause we had about 10 days, I'm looking for who's eating, who's sleeping, who's wearing sunscreen, who's drinking water, who's wearing a hat outside, who's just drinking coffee for breakfast. Like all of those sort of basic needs, are they being responsible? And we used to always say, are you being a good self-manager? So I was just kind of watching for that initially. I'm always, I was always looking for who was fitting in and who was not, who seemed to not fit into any group that they tried to join. Who is noticing those that don't fit in and doing something about it? Who's passionate about what they are doing and who needs to be reminded of why they are here? Um, who's having self-esteem issues? Who knows the answers to the questions being asked and who does not? Who's just try trying to show everyone they have the answers? <laughs> and who is allowing others to have that opportunity to answer the question? I was always looking for how people worked together. Were there clashes forming in personalities? Um, were there cliques forming or uh, cliques for our American friends? Um, and were people following the four S's? That was really big for me. Those were our guiding principles and were staff members following those in all of the decisions that they were making. Ruby, we are go around one more time. What else were you looking for? Um, so I think it's important to not only know what you're looking for uh, and think about the observations you've made, but ask your team, your other directors, um, some of your leadership team, they definitely are going to see things mm -hmm. that you don't see mm -hmm. or interpret things really differently. And, um, we all know the value of, of different perspectives. So that's something that I, I do a fair amount of as well during training and, and especially throughout the summer is just approaching different folks and, and saying, you know, especially folks who are in kind of that managerial role saying, well, how's this person doing? And, you know, how have they been treating you? How does it seem like their cabin dynamic is? And getting that outside perspective um, that's not mine and it's not the person's. It's, it's a totally, you know, third party. Um, so make sure you're utilizing those other perspectives in your organization. Great. That's an excellent point. Gab. Um, yeah, I think I'm good. You're I, good. I, I think, you know, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay, I, was, I was just thinking, Beth, about what you said. And I was like, I shall title this Eat, Sleep and Play. <laughs> that is Beth. <laughs> That's what she looks at. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go for the basics first and get the bottom of the pyramid, yes. you know? Yes, you got to do it. And it's, it's like, are they eating? Are they sleeping? Are they playing? Yep. Check. Um, yeah, and I love it. Truthfully, are they peeing and pooping, which is not something I looked for, um, but we <laughs> talked about that at staff training, you know, like, what does your pee look like? Is it really, really, really dark? You got to drink more water. So, you know, those kinds of things, you just want to make sure that those basic things are, um, are out there. It wasn't a big session or anything, but Travis would always ask, everybody's pee look good today? Okay, great. If not, go get yourself some more water. Yeah. It's a glamorous life of a director. <laughs> right. If you haven't been around poo that summer you that's right I'm, yeah you haven't been a kid i don't know what, really yep exactly um so i also looked for things like who was really struggling with sessions um and who were the people helping those people who were struggling uh who may be ready for added responsibilities because of the things like doing the jobs that nobody else seemed to pick up on that kind of stuff i was always looking especially in the first couple of days for who was going to give me trouble that summer um, who would need a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a head counselor? 
um, or with me before training went any further. I always tried to nip that stuff in the bud as quickly as I could. Maybe somebody who was really awesome last year and is just not showing that in training uh, this year. So what's happening? Um, tried to see who needed those one-on-one conversations. And as I said, I, they often started with the head counselor first um, before they got to me. Um, I was also looking for who teaches really well and then who could teach other staff members to do the same so that if somebody was really struggling with something in the summertime, who could I call on to go in and help, um, you know, sort of be that buddy and show them how to teach kids how to play games really well or whatever it happened to be. Uh, I was always looking for who was leading by example. That was a big thing for me. Um, and then my last thing was, this was almost, so I, those were all the individual things. And then I was always looking for what the vibe was like amongst the staff. So either in the room or at the waterfront or playing a camp wide game and then trying to figure out what it was the group needed. So especially that was especially important when the group had had a really hard day or, you know, we'd gone through some, maybe some tougher sessions or, they had a really difficult group initiative that did not go well. So um, a lesson that I learned from a really smart minister when I first started in camping, her name is Linda Ashfield. Um, And she said to me that every so often as a camp director, I needed to take a step back. And sometimes that was a very physical step back. Um, So sitting at the back of a session or sitting at the back of a campfire. And sometimes, uh, you know, it's just watching from your seat in the dining hall. Um, And I always sat in a very specific table during the summertime when campers were in so that I could visually see the entire dining hall and the kitchen at the same time. Um, But take that step back and see what it is your people need. Because I think as directors, especially during training, sometimes we get so caught up in the details that we don't take a step back and we don't look at the bigger picture. And that's one of the most essential parts of the job. Like we're, we're always the ones in, in all those little mini, mini details that are, happen at staff training. But our job is to hold the big picture and to be responsible for it. So taking that step back um, was really, really important for me and is really key. And I'll do it in a session too that I'm leading at a different camp now. I just kind of watch. Um, and I think I know who the staff member is who did this for me once, but... I have no way of knowing, but I had those fridge magnets with all the poetry words uh, on my fridge. And, um, she was a very, she's a very wise woman and she was older than the rest of my staff, incredibly quiet. But when she said things, people listened because she was really smart, but she didn't say things very often. And at the end of training one week, I went into my home and on my fridge, she had, I think it was her, I have no way of knowing, um, took magnets and wrote, watch and listen, sit still and see. And so I always think about that, um, when I'm running training. Um, so if you're listening, Weiler, I have a feeling that was you. Um, and that was many, many years ago. So those are some of the reasons that we think it's really important to watch your staff and observe and not just get caught in the middle of all the details at staff training. Um, how can you get involved with us? Well, you can join us on, um, are, oh, hold on. Did I miss something? I totally did. I was about to go forward without our amazing recap from Gab. So my apologies, Gab. How could we miss that? That's okay. <laughs> so sorry. We'll okay. We'll do this. So all right. let's okay. have Gabrielle <laughs> recap all the stuff we talked about on today's show. This, oh, I can't believe uh, I forgot that. It's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> 
As a true uh, camp code form, there's a lot of stuff that we <laughs> chat, chat, chat about. I, I don't think we will ever hit 20 minutes. No. As sometimes <laughs> it is our goal, but it never happens. Just too much good stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> good times. Okay. So basically, uh, we really want to get to know our staff members. And here's a whole bunch of different ways on how you can get to know your staff members. Create scenarios. Sit with them during an entire meal. Um, <laughs> chocolate times. Uh, today, who did what? Ask your staff to set up your own sessions. What? You're giving them responsibility as well. And you have time to speak with some other staff. Uh, social media groups. You can use Slack or Facebook. Check out uh, our show notes for Slack. Um, sit and listen. Don't say anything and enjoy those awkward moments. You'll laugh about <laughs> them later. Uh, no matter how unintimidating you think you are, uh, it is your responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure you aren't intimidating to your staff members. Break that ice from the very beginning. It's really important to learn names. Ask about scars. It's really weird, but Ruby <laughs> came up with it. And uh, maybe perhaps have some cue cards with uh, pictures of your staff members' faces on them. Um, I like to eat sleep and play and maybe even look at my poop. Okay, ask your L team their perspective on staff members. Sit back, listen, uh, sit still, and see. That's the Weiler effect. And that's what we have for on uh, Kebco today. Great. Thank you. That was totally worth me remembering uh, and going back to that. So Let's uh, go back to this, how you can get involved uh, by joining us on Camp Code. So you can use the hashtag Camp Code. We'd love to hear from you. What topics would you like us to discuss? What guests would you recommend we talk to? And we've talked to some pretty awesome ones this season. What great leadership training tips do you have to share with us? We would love to hear from you because as we all know, and we all say every time that um, sharing is what we're all about in this industry. And if you found this podcast to be useful, please just leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. And you can do that by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes, or tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash love. And your feedback helps us to keep the show going. So here is how to contact us uh, individually. Ruby, why don't we start with you? So you can email me at ruby at greenriverpreserve.org. I'm also on Twitter, rubylin85, uh, or you can find me on Instagram, rubyoutdoors. Great. Thank you. And Gab? Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter bird at Gabrielle Rail. <laughs> Check out where I work at waro.com. Contact me by gabs, that's with a Z at the end, at waro.com. I'm also on Instagram. Same address as Twitter. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and you can reach me in a number of places. So Beth at camphacker.tv or Beth at gocamp.pro. Um, you can find us at camphacker.tv or gocamp.pro. And um, you can also use the hashtag camphacker and find me there. So our last podcast of the season is coming up. I can't believe it. But Ruby's going to tell us what we're going to talk about. We tried to get Gab to just do a recap of the whole season. I think we could just take all of her recaps and put them in one big um, compilation. No, no. Okay, it would be so sort of we'll, like a blender. We'll, we'll do, <laughs> maybe on the five-year anniversary, that's how we'll do it. Uh, so our final podcast of the season, uh, we're going to talk about um, and go behind the scenes of the best learning environments. So we talked about today lots of ways to observe and, and really see what your staff needs. And so we're going to address some of the best ways to address those needs to facilitate a great learning environment so the staff learn as much as possible during staff training. Excellent. I'm excited for that one. 
Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. And of course, we would love to hear some of your memorable moments or most effective tips. And again, you can tell us what they are using that hashtag camp code. But this week's best practice comes to us from Ruby. Thanks, Beth. So I'm having this vague feeling that maybe I actually heard this one on the podcast uh, and then we did it, but I'm going to share it anyway, because it's pretty fantastic. So Wednesday night, uh, I got together with uh, several other camp people here in the area and we did a professional development session on the art of public speaking. And so we had dinner together and during this dinner, we had all drawn um, out of a hat uh, some topic. And by the end of the meal, we were supposed to give a toast to that topic. And, you know, we clinked the glasses and whatever else. And, and the topics were largely camp things. Um, so some of them were funny, like s'mores or new program supplies uh, or coffee. Mine was gluten, always a fan. <laughs> um, but we also had some really endearing, wonderful ones, like your first year as a camp director or... Um, your epic friends, which is the group of young professionals in ACA. Um, it, it was really cool. And I was sitting there watching my friends do this and just immediately went, I'm going to do this during our final lunch at the end of staff training with our staff and have them sit at the table and give them some topics and have them give toasts. And it's, it's just funny because you see who's really endearing, who's really heartwarming, who takes it and makes it silly and ridiculous, who's a little bit sarcastic. Uh, so once again, it gives you an opportunity to see some great observations, but also gives folks uh, a forum for maybe saying thank you or sharing a little bit more of their story uh, and connecting with the other people they are with. That's great. And I'm pretty sure we haven't talked about that on the podcast. So oh that's a great idea to share. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, I really like that. Um, so that wraps up another podcast, our second last of season two. Please join us using that hashtag camp code. And thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.